0: Welcome to Faith and Fable, pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller.
1: And I'm Matt Henry, and we are picking back up with Systematic Theology, and we are on Ecclesiology, right? So Systematic Theology 3, we're dealing with the role of women. So we've got three specific episodes we'll do. Uh, First, we'll introduce it, then we'll just deal with the key passages. That will be the second episode. Then uh, one special one on just head coverings, which sounds strange to some people, but it's an instruction to the church. So, yeah, deals with. It. All right. So a uh, huge part of the theology uh, of, of theology where a lot of uh, disagreement and tension lies is with regard to the role of women right now. Um, and so we want to we want to try to be diligent. Uh, It requires us to be careful, thorough in what we teach, but it also affords the opportunity for us to wander down too many rabbit trails. And so we're going to try to just give an exegetically sound theological framework, and as a result, avoid every possible position and argument. So If you're looking for us to do an exhaustive treatment here, you're not gonna get it. Uh, We do plan on episodes uh, else at another point that will deal more broadly with that whole issue. Um, So uh, you can keep your eyes peeled out for that, but not now, this is just systematic theology. So uh, we hope to do it, as I said, more in depth later. Uh, Today we have one of those uh, very issues, uh, the role of women in the church. We just finished up an episode on deacons, and in it, we had to deal with the idea of deaconesses, or are they actually just wives of deacons? And we landed on the position of deaconesses, gave you our uh, reasons for it. But there's still the issue of the role of women in the church at large. Now, today, as I said, it's, it's merely an introduction to the topic. Then we want to deal with the passages that seem to create so much division between them— uh, between people. Uh, And so we're going to treat them like we do every other passage. We'll actually exegete them right here on the podcast. And that way you can see how we uh, deal with a passage, how we treat it. If you have questions or problems, then at least it can become more focused upon our exegesis rather than our opinions. Now, the challenge in these sorts of topics is that our society in America today is one of raging first and then raging some more. If you want to rage on us, we would just simply tell you, save yourself the time because, frankly, we don't care. Um, we don't mean that to be a jerk. We just don't care. If, if you want to engage in a conversation, though, where we are mutually showing some submission to the inerrancy and the authority of the scriptures, then we would be more than happy to discuss things. So, here are just some questions uh, that I'm, I'm going to kind of throw out. And Matt and I are going to talk just kind of off the cuff on, and, and we're going to use this as part of our introduction. So, first of all, for you, Matt, what do you think is uh, the preponderance of opinion on this subject? Uh, which side, uh, if any, has won?
0: I, um, well, we're going to talk about these words in a little bit, but yeah, I, I would say
1: the egalitarian position has won. Um, that is, You think that's that's got a stronger foothold in the church today in America? Yeah, I believe so. How come?
0: Uh, well, but I, th- I just think so many pressures from the culture, because I think so many have approached it opposite of what we're trying to do here, which is more of an exegetical approach. What do the scriptures say and then develop out of that instead of trying to understand those passages that we're going to work through through the lens of what must be true because our culture is saying it. And I mean, it, but you look at a lot of the bigger churches, and you have women pastors now, and um, more and more women teaching podcasts that aren't directed toward women; they're just to the church at large, and sort of like a Beth Moore, you're yeah, and, and that's praised and elevated, and um, and, and there's some weird. I don't know. I'll just call it exegetical gymnastics happening with a lot of that stuff.
1: I, I would agree with that. I do think that the internet has exacerbated this um, because it does give you a a following, right? Uh, Twitter followings and blogs and uh, podcasts and everything else. Uh, a person can say, "Okay, well, I I still have this anointing from God, or I or this giftedness, and so I'm going to use it and." It won't be in the context of the local church and therefore Well that that's the big one, isn't it? It's why would God give me
0: this gifting if he didn't intend for me to use it? Right. And but but then it'll be interpreted as therefore it means I should function as like a pastor or something. Right. Uh, right. Versus using it in its biblically lawful
1: arena. Well and, and then you also have um I've, ha- I've had this actually told me is like, look, I'll go way back in time in, in my ministry here. I, I inadvertently became the teacher for our women's Bible study, and it was only because they had a question about a book uh, by Neil Anderson. Do you know who he is? Yeah, a guy that was big in the spiritual warfare, not good. Um, and they were going to use it, and I was walking by the the room they were meeting in. I heard them talk about the book. I'm like, ugh. But it wasn't like overt heresy, and I had bigger fish to fry, so I just kept walking by. And uh, a lady who actually ended up becoming now my uh, secretary, she called, hey, would you come in here? I'm like, no. And they asked me my opinion, and ultimately the end result of me giving that opinion was them saying, well, would you teach us? And that's how I, by default, early on, did it. And what was interesting was after I did some teaching for a few months, it was well-received, but one person didn't like I was teaching it. And so she tried to get the lady stirred up, and the argument was, don't you think that a woman's Bible study cannot really deal with the true issues of a woman unless another woman is teaching it? And it was an effort to get me out. And it actually— Everyone voted against her, so she was mad. But but it's that idea of uh, how many how many women say, you know, I go to a person like Beth Moore for my instruction. She understands women. She understands where I'm at. Blah blah blah. And so by by virtue, she becomes their online pastor. Yeah. Um. I don't know if I'm making any sense there. Well, I, just, I just no, can't. you do.
0: And I mean, and prob- so they say,
1: well, I'm not in the church. It's like you're functioning. As you know, a pastor, you can call it whatever you want, yeah. but and, and functionally, maybe we'll get, that's get, what you are. Yeah, and
0: we'll probably get into some of this, but they func- they functionally then work against what Paul's command is for the older women, which right yeah, is, get that. is to yeah. encourage the young women to what? To be lovers of their husband. and So I would say instead of encouraging them to go to their husband to be their primary teacher or even their pastor, they now have become their pastor essentially. Yeah. And
1: it's actually my same problem I would have with men who attend the church, but they listen more diligently to a MacArthur or a Piper or a Sproul or whoever it is. That's their real formal authority. And so they're, it's the same idea They're they're looking outside and, and they're not. And I mean, I appreciate that. I think it was a blog post where Piper just said, I'm not your pastor, <laughs> you know, um, Whatever you think of me, I'm not your pastor, and um, I I think the whole American church is kind of screwed up as a result of that. Isn't it weird, though, that
0: people can listen to a guy like MacArthur,
1: who is,
0: we would say, is obviously solid, and yet people have such atrocious ecclesiology, though, like they listen to him, but they're not listening to him. No. And if if they did listen to him carefully, it would drive them to make their local church and their pastor their primary influence. Yeah. But.
1: So what are the typical arguments you hear um, when when talking about the role of women? What, what are the kinds of passages or... Well, yeah, they, they're going to point to Deborah, the judge,
0: right? She was a woman who functioned as a savior of Israel in some way. Uh, or Priscilla, um, one of the key ones is when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was first women who saw him, and then they went and proclaimed the resurrected Christ from the dead, and so... Yeah, that's
1: N.T. rights argument.
0: Yeah. Um, so, w- but what they're doing essentially is, and it's just not good hermeneutics, but they're going to narrative texts as the, as the primary determiner of this issue over and against yeah. um, more of your didactic passages, which are clear and give straightforward instruction.
1: Yeah, um, and that gets into the hermeneutics, right? People... Have never really thought about how they approach the scripture. So they end up grabbing a hold of a story. And it's not in any way saying, therefore, go and do likewise. It's just simply relating the story. Um, So, good point there. Um, I I do think our culture is so, so strong right now with the, uh, we were off off mic and we were joking about uh, your preferred pronouns. And I just pulled these out of the air. I said, was roach and clip. And another guy that was in the office with us, I said, "Yeah, he's known as Jelly and Bean. That's his preferred pronoun." It's like, and we can laugh about it, but it's literally getting that way. Um, It's crazy, and and that kind of strong push is happening, and and as a result, the church conforms itself, Mm -hmm. right? Um, What do you think uh, are some issues that will help push this whole debate? uh well there's a lot of them um so on
0: on the one hand you're gonna have the the patriarchy and quiverful movements uh right which are very man centered um
1: like male centered or dominant yeah. yeah what did i say well man centered but i mean
0: oh like yeah not in a spiritual way <laughs> yeah ma- uh, male centered yeah uh so there's an in uh, an inappropriate uh imbalance that happens there uh but then on the other, you know, and then with that, you're going to have, you know, things like pornography, which are making, basically objectifying women. Um, and then on the other side, you have the whole gender fluidity, LGBTQ stuff. Um, also, which is big now is the, the whole world of equity versus equality. Yeah. Uh, those kinds of issues. What is true justice and fairness and rightness? So, all that stuff is feeding into this whole conversation.
1: Yeah. So, this is actually a, an important topic to begin to work through. And and as Matt said earlier, um, if you're not going to approach first from the scripture, or your bibliology is such that you only give lip service to the authority of the word, um, or, you,
0: it, or you're good, or you're skilled at explaining it away. Yeah. Right. So, this is just cultural stuff.
1: Yeah. And and those are things that we will actually have to address in other podcasts where we really get into the whole um, movement because it it is crazy, the gymnastics that go on. And and yet, if you don't know, uh, they can sound rather persuasive. Um, So, yeah, I think that is key for us. Anyhow, the role of women. Yeah. Uh, So – historically just getting into this topic the the
0: subject um it is not uh, one of great challenge or controversy um just <laughs> historically. Just, historically right uh the, the roles of men and women are were rather well defined in society and in the church and unfortunately the culture uh tended to define the roles for the church that's something that's not necessarily changed
1: right i i i think that's actually um go ahead, go ahead and light your cigar. I'll, okay. I'll talk for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Thank
0: you.
1: Uh, if you hear a noise, that's him. Um, I th- actually think <laughs> um, in prior in, in in historically, the roles of women and men were much more biblically, Stable within a biblical framework, but it wasn't because of the biblical framework. I think it was still the culture. It was a much more male-dominated culture, and so the, it it set us up for this situation because the culture back then was that way, and so it was very easy. Men for hadn't it. yet abdicated the responsibility to yeah. lead. Yeah, instead of just look, this is still the standard. It Doesn't matter what the culture says. Uh, that's why, like, even the patriarch or patriarchy movement and the quiverful and all that stuff. Um, that's that. That's what is the result, or that results then in people fleeing that, and they when they flee it, instead of going into a nice proper understanding, they end up going the other way into a more pro-feminist, and the same happens the other way is that you see the damage done in a pro-feminist movement, egalitarian movement, and off they go off into patriarch, and it's like you know what you you manage to miss. Uh, on both sides, you're in this horrible cesspool, so anyhow.
0: Yeah, so, but the point being there that the culture in some ways always influenced, yeah. right? The, the views of women.
1: But that's not good.
0: Right. Um, since the time of Reformation, um, which was about 15... 15- Seventeen and on, the the majority of evangelical Protestants has been reluctant to allow women to serve as ministers. Uh, that comes from Cluse and Cluse. I'm going to pronounce it that way, um, and and that has been the normal position. Uh, women cannot be ministers, uh, and by that it, it is meant that they cannot function as elders or pastors. Um, then some of the more radical reformers. Uh, usually known as Anabaptists, gave wide latitude to women in various ministry roles, uh, so they were a little looser. Uh, Quakers, Salvation Army, um, and other more sectarian groups also had women in teaching and leadership positions. Um, and and then you have our current day perspectives, um, and there's several different ways that these roles are expressed today, again, depending on the denomination or even the local church. and 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 so when it comes to the role of men, it's rather easy to determine uh, and because they viewed it as simply fulfilling the commands of the Bible um, and say that just the commands of the Bible would apply to the Christian male. Um, So for instance, teaching, preaching, leading, submitting, learning, serving, praying, uh, all those things, um, unless a command is directly focused upon a female, it's just assumed that that's directed at the male.
1: Right. right.
0: In the sixties and 1970s, the, Major culture wars began to assault some of the long-held beliefs and practices, and the push against tradition by the younger people of Europe and, and the United States now created new questions uh, and raised questions as to the role of women. Uh, out of that came all the feminist uh, stuff, and then by the 1980s, the idea of the roles of women and men in the church and the home was now a major point of conversation, but also contention.
1: Yeah. So. Out of that, two main positions now reside in the broader evangelical world in both Western Europe and North America. Now, these represent the extremes for the most part, and individuals and groups uh, will find themselves at some point on that spectrum between them. Uh, The first one um, is called egalitarianism. We've already tossed that word out a few times. Uh, Essentially, it says that there is no distinction between the role of the uh, of a man or a woman in ministry all activities functions roles offices in church ministry are equally open to both genders um, so this perspective understands all of the scriptures and this is coming from uh, soci and women women and men in ministry it understands all of the scriptures that draw a distinction between men and women in the home or church as simply expressing the prevailing patriarchal opinion of the writers day it was not God's perspective, but the opinion of the fallible, culture-bound writer. That's just a very telling statement right there. And so, he goes on to say, uh, with evangelical egalitarians, they restrict the apostles' teaching of the distinctive or distinct roles for women and men as applicable only to the particular historical situation addressed. Um, So, a major Christian view on gender roles that holds that women and men properly have equal and interchangeable roles in the home, church, and wider society. So, this view is opposed to complementarianism, which we'll discuss, uh, which holds that the proper roles for men and women are distinct and complementary. So, egalitarianism, this one comes from uh, Dr. Berry in his Lexham Bible Dictionary, um, Egalitarian holds that the women can hold all the same roles in church leadership as men and that in a marriage, uh, authority is properly shared equally between husband and wife. Egalitarianism also holds that women and men may properly hold the same positions in society more broadly. It's interesting. Even as I read that, it doesn't sound that strange maybe to your your ears. Um, I mean, because— you're younger and you've been growing up in, when were you born? What year?
0: 87?
1: In the 80s, yeah. I was born in 60s. So, I I grew up in that where all of that, burning the bra and at the Ms. Magazine and anti-establishmentarianism was was big. And by the time you came into the scene, so much of that had already been fought and now became the norm. Um, That's not even a... I mean, most people hearing what I just uh, said there from Dr. Berry would say, yeah, that's, what's wrong with that? Because they're not, they they hear it every possible way in society. So, uh, Gruthius, this is an egalitarian scholar, okay? This is what he writes. He says, evangelical egalitarianism or biblical equality, that's loaded right there, refers to the biblically-based belief that gender in and of itself neither privileges nor curtails a believer's gifting or calling to any ministry in the church or home. In particular, the exercise of spiritual authority as biblically defined is deemed as much a female believer's privilege and responsibility as it is a male's believer. Now, you can hear he's, he's throwing the word biblical, biblical, biblically over and over again in that uh, quote because he's he's trying to establish the high ground of, look, we're being biblical in this. We're going to argue they're not, but it's nonetheless happening. So within that position, there are various points of disagreement on actually how the position gets played out. But when you're talking to your church leader or pastor or reading your favorite book, just listen for those kinds of uh, thoughts and you'll get a sense of where they're coming from. Anyhow.
0: Okay. So that's, that's egalitarianism? Uh, then, then the other position is complementarianism, and this is the view that there is a distinction in roles between men and women in the church and in the home, uh, and so per the name, these distinctions are God ordained, but they're designed to complement one another. So here, here comes from Soce again. He says, contrary to egalitarianism, egalitarians, complementarians understand the biblical passages dealing with men and women as teaching a permanent. Normative order between man and woman in the home and in the church. Um, then Barry uh, states a major Christian view on gender roles that holds that women and men are spiritually equal but have distinct and complementary roles in the home, church, and wider society. This view stands in opposition to egalitarianism, which holds that men and women have equivalent roles. Complementarian positions usually hold that certain positions in church leadership are reserved for men only, and that in marriage, the husband is properly the head of the family and has some degree of authority over the wife. Some complementarian positions also hold that women and men have different roles outside the home and church life in broader society. Um, So as, as with the egalitarian position, there's a wide range of perspectives on how this is played out in the local churches. So some will take a very strong position that a woman cannot hold any position that possesses authority of any type. Uh, primarily, the woman is limited to public worship in a group setting. Um, th- this would prohibit her from things like teaching in a Sunday school or a Bible study or overseeing even the nursery or a food pantry. Right, right. Uh, others see that it is the role of the pastor or elder that is in view. Um, so, any other role that, other than those, would be open to women. Uh, and then one slight variation to this is that if a woman is under the authority of some sort of male leadership, then she can even preach or teach
1: in a corporate setting. That, that's that been a popular one in the Southern Baptists.
0: Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, I, I hear all the time of uh, so a woman can preach even on a sunday morning from the pulpit yes. let's say um because she's under the uh, the authority of the elders the elders have uh essentially allowed her to do this and so in some way she they've tricked god
1: yeah yeah <laughs> it's very it, it, there's so many rabbit trails just in what we've looked at of how it just shows very poor ecclesiology though um and so somehow okay you can't have the title senior pastor i that i've actually heard that one it's like show me senior pastor in the bible um first of all and and yeah anyhow i got to avoid the rabbit trail
0: um that's a but that's one that at some point maybe we'll have to talk about cuz it's becoming
1: more and more popular yep um in fact we just saw uh, was it you that sent me the link to the texas baptists Uh, in the Southern Baptist and how they're starting to take on more and more women in their churches in leadership positions. And and they are the more moderate or liberal, uh, uh, yeah, major conventions within the larger Southern Baptist convention. And it is what it is. So, what's the challenge? Well, this whole thing has now been reduced to an either-or argument. You are either egalitarian or you're complementarian. And and now, because of the way we function as a society, there's a little room for discussion or even disagreement before shouting and canceling out of people takes place. Uh, we are in the complementarian camp Uh just so you know. And, but that should not be taken to mean that every argument that any complementarian ever makes would be supported by us. We're going to try to draw and develop our theology and positions from an exegetical level. So, the first thing we want to affirm, therefore, is that the scripture makes it very clear that there is equal value for women. Uh, so, when you look at Jesus' message of salvation, it was extended to men and women equally. Along with this, Jesus called women to be his disciples. He called the women, and he he taught the women, and he ministered to, or, or was ministered to by the women. It was women to whom the resurrected Christ did first appear. That That's worth noting. Um Second, we would say that women are image bearers, showing, again, that equal value. So let me read a, a long passage uh, in Genesis one twenty six to 28. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them... Note that uh, pronoun, rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So both are made in God's image. Nothing else created possesses that glorious stamp of identity of all other created beings, including angels, men, and women. Men and women are the only thing that's closest to the nature of God." Uh, the call to rule over creation here is for both the male and the female. Both carry that image uh, uh, that of God. And so simply put, however this issue is argued among Christians, it needs to come from a foundation of equality in being or the ontological equality, right? Yeah.
0: Um, we'd also say that as fellow Christians, women share in all things connected to the idea of being a Christian. Um, so for example, Both are justified, Romans 4. Both are free from condemnation, Romans 8. Both have God working uh, all things together for good, Romans 8, 28. Both have been established, anointed, and sealed by God, 2 Corinthians 1. Both are hidden safely with and in Christ, Colossians 3. Both are fellow heirs of the grace of life, 1 Peter 3. Uh, Both are being conformed into the image of Jesus, uh, Romans 8. Both shall never be separated from the love of God, Romans eight thirty eight. Both are blessed with every spiritual blessing by God, Ephesians one, and both are redeemed from every sin through Jesus, uh, Ephesians one verse seven. Um, so they, all in spiritual sense, they share equally in all yeah, those benefits. Yeah. Um, Jesus first affirmed the worth and dignity of women. Uh, so Jesus' message of salvation was extended to men and women equally. Uh, example of, would be the like the women at the well in John chapter four, uh, in Matthew fourteen, verses fifteen through twenty. There's that famous feeding of the five thousand. Uh, but what's important to keep in mind is it wasn't really five thousand. Um, it was far more than that. In verse twenty one, there were women and children there, uh, making the numbers much larger. And All these were part of the crowds to whom Jesus would teach.
1: Yeah, so then along with that, uh, women were called to be Jesus' disciples. So um, women received instructions as his disciples. We see that with Mary and Martha in Luke 10. We see uh, women helped Jesus in his ministry in Luke 8. It says, soon afterwards, he began going around from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him, and also some women who had been uh, healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. But Jesus selected only men to be as apostles. Uh, So we can see clearly that women and men are treated as equal persons who are called to be equal status as Jesus' disciples. But we can also see that when Jesus did not— that. Okay, I'm sorry, let me, this is a quote from Michael Wilkins, Uh, but we can also see that when Jesus did not call women to apostleship, this is an indication that there are different roles for women and men that will maximize their creation in the image of God as male and female. Uh, I think that's. I like the way he worded that. That's an indication because he's dealing with a narrative as well, mm-hmm. and so he uh, Wilkins is not willing to say because this story says that, therefore we can extrapolate and say only men. He's just saying in his in his uh, ministry we have indications. Um, later on, he would then appeal to the actual overtly o- overt passages where women's roles are discussed in a didactic format. Yeah.
0: Um, Also, women were the first witnesses of Jesus' resurrection, as we've talked about. Uh, You'll see that in Matthew 28, 1 through 6, where the two Marys uh, came and saw Jesus resurrected. Uh, So Wilkins, again, Jesus is both radical and traditional in his treatment of women and in his inclusion of them in his ministry team. He is radical because he goes contrary to some of the prevailing negative attitudes in treatment of women in first century judaism however he is traditional in that he is not establishing a new order he came to fulfill the old testament's prescription for god's will for women and men his call to men and women did not create a kind of genderless christian species of disciples
1: okay uh Ministry of women than in the early church. When you look at the book of Acts alone, there are 33 different references to women. So in Acts 1, women are with the disciples at the time of the choosing of the new apostle after Judas. In Acts 5, we see multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number, talking about the church. In Acts 8, um, repeatedly both men and women were believing and being baptized. In Acts 16, we have the first recorded convert of Paul in Philippi, and it was Lydia. Um, In uh, Acts 12, women provided houses for church meetings. Uh, Women were persecuted for the sake of the gospel in Acts 8. And so we read about Saul dragging both men and women off to jail because of Christ. And then also apparently uh, apostles who were married
0: would have their wives with them. Uh, So 1 Corinthians 9 verse 5, uh, women were to teach what was good to younger women, Titus 2 3. Uh, women were serving as deacons. Uh, affi- who, I mean, they're official servants of the church. We see that First Timothy 3, verse 8, uh, and then 16. Um, in fact, here's a fascinating passage in Romans 16, 1 through 2. Um, here's what Paul says He says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church. Uh, and that's the word deacon. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, which in it, fact, let's
1: translate. Who is
0: a deacon of the church? Yeah, um, which is in uh, Centrea. That you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and that you help her in whatever manner she may have need of you. For she herself has also been a helper of many, and of myself as well. So she is clearly serving in in a unique capacity. On behalf of Paul, and it's it's a formal one. Yeah, um, and there appears to be the idea that as a woman, as a as a woman, she she might she might not be properly received by the church there in Rome, and so he needs to make it clear that they are to treat her
1: properly. Yeah, if you go back with that in mind and reread that, you know, it's like oh, he's making it very clear. Hey, I'm sending Phoebe, and you treat her with respect, right? Yeah, <laughs> because the prevailing mindset. Back then, in the greater society, was one that looked upon women in a much lesser yeah less than right. Um,
0: and then widows uh, widows indeed that's a technical phrase uh, widows indeed were to be cared for in the local churches First Timothy five three through ten uh, and it appears they who um, were on this official list of of for widowhood I guess uh, then served the local churches in some way. Uh, in other words, it wasn't just this empty charity that was being given. Um, And so it's safe to conclude that any attempt to view a woman or man uh, in a derogatory manner uh, due to their gender is, I mean, we would just say it's evil and it
1: is certainly contrary to the scriptures. All right. So let's kind of bring this all to a close. N.T. Wright said in a popular video on, on how this issue in America is still of great interest. Uh, but in Great Britain, he said that it just brings a yawn. And he goes on to then ignore the biblical data in any real sense, but make some casual comments as if they are amazing arguments. So he brings up that point in John 20 that Mary is confronted with the resurrected Jesus. So he doesn't tell her to go find the apostles and have them announce his resurrection. Rather, he tells her to go to the believers and announce, or preach, or proclaim that he is resurrected and is going to ascend into the presence of the Father. As if that's some powerful statement. Like it wasn't go and exposit and begin to preach sermons on his, it. Was go tell these guys, announce, hey, he he arose. But he he goes way beyond that. Uh, in the Southern Baptist, as we already mentioned, there was that push to have Beth Moore to be the president of the convention. Uh, she's shared the pulpit at many churches and has pushed an egalitarian position for quite some time via her Twitter and teaching resources. Happily, she's no longer with the Southern Baptist, and I'm not sad at all about that. Um, here, here is the point behind all of this. Uh, theology matters, and not just in a weird, esoteric way. It's the stuff of life as we live it. And theology can only be done well if it is a servant of the written word. It is done poorly if this is flipped around, as so often happens. Now, we've only introduced this, but our goal is to begin to tear into key passages and develop an exegetical theology of women in the church that hopefully will help all of us more clearly think about it as we hear and read so many opinions out there. Well, until then, make sure to tune in, join the conversation. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the role of women. Don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, review on iTunes. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And tell a friend.